Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have the pleasure of speaking with Pam Lyme Miller today. Pam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bridget. I am really happy to be here and looking forward to our conversation. I am too. Now, I need you to let everybody know how you got into the speaking world. What was the spark? What happened? Well, as you might imagine, with a technology degree in computer science and math, I am not the most likely professional speaker. Let me start with that. Uh, But I've seen a lot of bad presentations in my space. I worked with a software company initially, and if you have ever watched somebody give a presentation, they have all the charts and graphs up, a PowerPoint forever with every piece of data known to man up there on the PowerPoint. And you're just sitting in the audience thinking, when is this presentation going to be over? And and I just knew, I mean, I've got a little bit of an aptitude. I just wanted to see us do better. That's really how I got started. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you were sitting in the audience like some of us have sat in audiences and thought, not to sound egotistical or not to sound... I don't know, mean, but hmm, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> right. So well, you, you feel bad for the person that's up there. You just want to help them. You know, you just want to, because they're maybe stumbling over their words or they're pointing to the graph that you can't see the numbers on and all of that. So it's, it's one of those where you feel bad for them. Speaking of which, stumbling over their words, pointing to a graph you can't see, What are some other missteps? And more importantly, can you get, can you give any recommendations for how to avoid them or how to fix them? Yes, I I absolutely can. I think the most common thing that I see Bridget with, and I do my sweet spot uh, person that I love to work with, if I'm doing one-on-one coaching or small group coaching, certainly industry-wise is that you know, that science, technology, engineering, and math type that has, they're very, very smart, but they can't always figure out how to say what they have to say in a way that their audience can, number one, understand it, or number two, cares, (laughs) because they're real excited about all the details. The number one thing I see happen, the the problem, the number one problem is they talk to the slot, they talk to the screen that has the slide on it with the graph or the data or whatever that is the number one problem yes oh I am cringing my hands are in the air I'm going on you should see me everybody that drives me up a wall so much so until I blogged about it a little while back no you it is not okay if you talk to your slides. So if you talk and it turn and read the screen, yes. everybody, I want you to position your computer or your laptop. So you are able to look at that, not the projection screen and reference that. So you know what it is your audience is seeing. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. There are, there are really two pieces to that, Bridget. For me, Uh, And it depends on what your setup is. So if if you're in a bigger room where there's a big screen maybe up behind you, 
if you can have, like you said, your laptop down in front of you with whatever's up on the screen behind you on it, there is absolutely no reason at all for you to glance backwards. You always want to be facing your audience. You're exactly right about that. The second part, though, is the eye contact. You want to look at your screen, but you don't want to talk to your audience while you're looking at your screen. Who are you connecting with? You're connecting with your graph. You want to look down at your screen, pick up the next sentence or two or piece of information or point you want to make, and then look up at somebody in your audience while you're actually delivering that information. They'll wait for you to glance down and gather it. They're trying to figure out what's on that screen. And that's the other thing. When you, when you create PowerPoints, I mean, men, less is more. But in addition, when you have a graph you have to put up, know that your audience is trying to figure out what that is as soon as you put it up. So take them out of their pain and say, what we're looking at here is X, Y, Z, like one sentence, high level overview. And then say, you know, there's a lot of information here. Let me give you the bottom line. And you can deliver the most important thing to your audience. Pam, you just don't know what you've done, but you, you've, I, I'm sitting here jotting down everything that I want to say in agreement with what you just said. So in terms of looking up at the audience, like you said, it's about that eye contact. And you want them to also be able to, to be able to hear you. Your voice travels in the direction you are looking. If you're looking back at that screen and talking toward that screen, that is where your voice is being projected. And that screen hears you loudly and clearly, but your audience has a hard time hearing you. Now you may say, well, Bridget, what if I have a microphone or if I have my lapel mic? Or, yeah, that's nice, but still nobody wants to see the back of your head. The next thing in terms of looking at someone in the audience, if you make eye contact with any one person, the six people around that person feel like you are looking right at them as well. So you're not just making a connection with that one person whose eyes you're looking into. You're making a connection with those people that are right there nearby. The next thing, less is more. I cannot beat that in the ground anymore deeply. Less is more instead of having all of these words plastered on that slide. I want you to get one fantastic graphic that reminds you of your point. Maybe you want to talk about the stock market being up and down. Okay, put a graphic of a really cute seesaw from a playground on, on the slide. And that triggers your mind to talk about the volatility of the market. Less is more. And get this out of your system. Don't ever put up a slide and then tell the audience, I know you can't read this. What is the point of putting it in your deck if they cannot read it? Okay, I'm off the soapbox, Pam. <laughs> but audience, if you could see Bridget like I can right now, she is all over her office. Her hands are up in the air. She is just, just really... Speaking with her body, she's feeling so passionate about this topic. So I'm glad I, I hit on a couple of key things. I do, by way of example, with the less is more, uh, I do some TEDx coaching with TEDx Atlanta. And one of my co uh, 
speakers that I was coaching was a researcher at the University of Georgia, and he was researching about sugar's effect on our body. And his first version of his talk was all of his, like he was going to present it to his fellow doctors and the other people that were doing research, all these numbers, the words were so long, I couldn't even read them. And to your point, we ended up with I mean, he said it was a presentation that his grandmother could understand because we replaced that graph of, you know, what happens to your insulin response as you increase the sugar, blah, blah, blah. We had a picture of a really skinny guy sitting on a chair in front of a computer and a really much larger guy who was kind of going over the edges of the computer uh, from behind to visually demonstrate the numbers that were on that graph originally about your the effect sugar has on your body, then he could speak to it. And that's exactly what you said, Bridget. He could speak to it, but that picture reminded him. And then the audience could totally relate because it wasn't, it wasn't a graph with all these numbers. It was a visual that they could see. And then they, they remembered that information when they uh, were finished listening to the talk. It was memorable. And that's one of the things that made it memorable. You know, everybody, Pam's not telling you the full story. Pam even took her blazer off. She was getting so <laughs> wow. That is true. <laughs> I'm getting all worked up here. <laughs> I'm telling you, we are passionate. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everybody, if you thought STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math professionals, cannot be good presenters, I'm here to tell you that Pam is going to show you that they can. They can be not just great presenters, but not just good, but great presenters. Pam Line Miller is a professional speaker and trainer focused on helping others be the best communicators they can be and connect with their audiences, whether it's one person or 1,000 people. To help us understand how to get as good with presenting, running a meeting, or having a conversation as we are with data, graphs, and facts... Pam is here. She is the National Speakers Association Georgia president-elect. She is a TEDx coach. She says she's a terrible joke teller. I don't know. We might have to put that to the test. But Pam, it's obvious that you come from a background where, like you said, you don't necessarily expect to find these incredible speakers. What is your secret sauce for helping people who are in the STEM profession get out there and rock the mic? The problem is that STEM professionals have been told since they had any aptitude in in a technology or a mathematics or a scientific field that they're they're not any good with people. Better with data than people is kind of how they think about themselves. So they start to think about themselves that way. I'm here to tell you that is not true. That is simply not true. Being a good speaker is a learned behavior. And it's not something you were born with. Some people have a little bit more aptitude, maybe dealing with people or being in certain situations. Maybe some are more outgoing than others. But honestly, a lot of theater people are introverts. So don't tell me that I'm quiet and I'm introverted. I can't speak in public. Uh, Nope, that's not, I'm not taking it. (laughs) I'm not accepting it. It is absolutely not true. And it really starts with your mindset. 
I know we talk, I know your podcast, you have a lot about skills and, but you talk some about mindset with some of your guests too, about how you approach the whole thing. And that's really the, that's really where to start. And when you approach it from the mindset of saying, I want to make sure my audience is walking away in a better position 60 minutes from now than they were when they entered this room then you are positioning yourself to get out there and crush it. When you put the focus on uplifting the audience, elevating the audience, whether you're educating them, inspiring them, whatever it is. But when you think about what is the change that you're going to bring about, as opposed to worrying about, oh, me, what am I going to do? It's everybody's, all eyes are on me, but focus more on what is it the audience is going to get out of. And like you said, changing that mindset everything starts to turn around. That is exactly my counsel. You are, you're reading off my script, Bridget, because that is exactly my counsel with a newer person that, that hasn't really spoken in public much, or they're really uncomfortable doing that. Normally it's because they're very self-absorbed. What am I wearing? Uh, How about, what am I going to say? Am I holding the microphone correctly? you know, am I going to trip up the stairs on the stage, whatever it might be, they're all worried about, it's all about them. And the reality is if they would change that around and take the focus off of themselves and put the focus on who it is they're talking to their audience, that might be, that might be their boss. That might be facilitating a meeting at work. That might be going to a homeowners association meeting in your neighborhood and making a point there. It, It can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be professionally speaking, just speaking to others or in a group, uh, if they'll think about how that person, what do they need to hear? How am I going to say that so they can receive it? Like you start to think about what are the words that they will best understand? You start to put your focus on your audience and then let's focus on yourself as it should be. All those things will take care of themselves if you start to think about how you're going to impact your audience. What do you speak on most of the time, Pam? Yeah, I do a lot of, I have historically done a lot of training and coaching in the communication space with people that have to give presentations about really technical stuff, scientific type stuff, maybe some research and and all of that. Uh, I'm certified in, in emotional intelligence and that's part of, helping people understand what's going on with the people around them. My favorite thing though, is uh, talking about owning who you are. Who am I? I'm going to own that. I'm the only one I've got, and I'm going to bring the best of me to everything I do. So to that end, I'm certified in DISC behavior profiles and driving forces, what motivates people. It's amazing. Once people understand why they're behaving the way they are or or how that impacts others and and how they might be able to shift that to impact different types of people. It is just a revelation for them and so freeing. They don't feel like they need to try to be somebody else. They can be who they are. They just need to be able to relate to the other person. So what is something that listeners can do right now to be better at that, just be better at being who they are as speakers. Yeah, I think that a lot of times we're all in our head about we're, we're, we're our own worst critic. 
the majority of the time. There's nobody walking in your office door saying, you're a terrible presenter, or I hate it when you run the meeting. Nobody is saying that. Everybody, you're probably great at running the meeting, but you're talking yourself into the fact that you are a terrible presenter. I think, I think that's the first battle. You've got to change that self-talk and you have to be a little bit more positive. You've got to be able to see yourself being a good presenter. You know, that that end, Bridget, I really recommend people, they think they can read a book about being a good presenter and turn around and do it. But that's just not the case. You have to practice. And I recommend that anybody that wants to be uh, learn how to be a better presenter, you don't have to do anything too expensive. You don't have to hire a coach, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can do all those. You can do that. You can, you can join a group, you can hire a coach, whatever. But if you just record yourself talking or giving your presentation, you want to give and play it back, you will find plenty of things that you want to change and improve on. It's, because don't we all, I, I know you're going to nod your head, Bridget, you hate to record yourself and watch it back, right? Yeah, her face. Is, <laughs> we all do, but we do it because we see, I don't not, I do not li- like how I said that. I don't like how I looked when I did that. Oh my goodness, that is the weirdest walk I've ever seen. What am I doing with my hands? I mean, you find all kinds of things that you want to change. So my recommendation there is you can't change it all at once. Pick the most egregious thing and work on that the most, and then you can move on. But that's, that's my recommendation. If you want to work on your own to get better. Okay. I, I have so much to say. Yes. I know you did. That's why I paused for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love when you said you can't change everything all at once. And everybody, I know it's tempting to take everything that you're hearing on this podcast from other resources, everything you're reading, everything you're seeing and put it in place. But I want you to think about this. Think about the little lady at church who has the animal print shoes and the animal print purse and the animal print scarf and the animal print hat. And they're all different variations of animal print but they're all some shade of brown and black. And she puts all that on at once. And you give her kudos for the effort in coordinating, but it's just too much. The same goes here because you may overcorrect it and you'll get frustrated, you'll get flustered, just change one thing at a time. And like Pam said, Pick the one that has the greatest impact you believe on your message reaching the audience and fix that one thing. The other thing Pam said early on in her answer is see yourself as being a great presenter. Here's what I want you to think about. Pam, are you in the market to buy a new car? Or if you were, what what car would you get? I would get a really fun sports car. I'm not in the market to buy a new car, but I do enjoy driving. And so I'd want a fun sports car. A fun sports car. Any particular color in mind or any particular brand? Uh, I enjoy BMWs and I've had a red one. And so something a little bit less obvious would be good. A little (laughs) less bright. (laughs) We'll we'll stick with BMW. I I had one too. It wasn't a little sports car. It was the the big boat. It was the seven series. I love that car. You could barely see my head over the steering wheel. Okay. So here's my point. Here's my point. 
Pam said, see yourself as a great presenter. Start using that positive thinking. And every single day, every single meeting, every single presentation, say to yourself, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's just like putting in your mind, I'm going to get myself a BMW sports car. That is what, that's the next car I'm going to buy. So every single time you go out on the road, because you've got that BMW sports car in your head, every time you look around, you see a BMW sports car or a BMW period. When you start thinking a certain way, like you said, mindset, Pam, it's starts to come into reality it starts to be a part of what you see and what you believe and feel all the time so see yourself as being a great presenter and it comes to be it comes to pass so I had to put that in there well thank you and I want to say some people aren't ready to jump right into being a presenter or maybe they're not in a situation where they need to be in front of a big group but they're even maybe uncomfortable going to a networking event, for example. I know with a lot of the people that I work with, walking into a large room with a group of people all socializing, that is really intimidating to them. Here's what I recommend, is that you don't have to be the best at speaking or communicate, you know, saying things to other people. If you can come up with a few really good open-ended questions to ask people, they will talk. And at the end of that conversation, guess what? They think you are the best conversationalist. Yes, 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 yes. I'm telling you, everybody, uh, press pause, hit rewind, and listen to what Pam just said again. Come up with a couple of great open-ended questions. What's, what are you looking forward to in business? What book are you reading right now? What are you excited about? Just come up with some great open-ended questions. I'm just throwing those out there, but come up with something that fits your personality and that fits the group. Pose those questions, step back and listen. That's right. (laughs) Step back and let them answer. The other thing is uh, we're using the term open-ended question and you might not know what that is. It is a question that the person you ask cannot say yes or no to. Like I could ask Bridget, uh, did you, do you like living where you're living? She can say yes or no. But if I ask, what do you like best about where you're living now? She can't answer yes or no to that question. Yes, I can. <laughs> it might not be right, but <laughs> it may not be what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, when you ask them, you know, the, the what, how, those kind of questions, start the question with that word and they can't answer yes or no. And that'll just help you figure out if you have an open-ended question or not. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for that point of clarification. Mm -hmm. Something else you said earlier was you must practice and everybody has their own version of what practicing looks like before presentation. Are there certain check boxes that you have or certain must do's that you have on your agenda when you practice for a presentation, Pam? Well, for me, you know, it's interesting. I tell people it, it is most helpful if you can have a live audience. Spouses are, are pretty good. They, they usually want to encourage you. Teenagers are very, they will just tell you exactly what they think. <laughs> uh, 
elementary school kids will as well, kind of in that age group. If you get discouraged, I find the family dog is a great audience member because they are always going to be excited and positive. They may even jump on you while you're talking and you just have to roll with it. So it, it'd be akin to handling maybe a difficult participant that storms the stage. I don't know, but I always recommend that you have a live audience. I, I often just really record myself at this point. And, and I try out, if I'm, if I'm doing something new, I love to try that in front of real people, obviously. But for the things that I know have worked, I mean, you know, you just want to stay tuned up. It's definitely about verbalizing that presentation, whether you do it in front of a live audience, whether you're doing it in front of a camera. But a lot of the, the nervousness goes away when you've already spoken the words before. If you just mentally go through your presentation and you can, you call that practice, you just kind of zip through it in your mind as you're driving to the presentation space, that's inadequate. You need to actually hear yourself say the words. You need to see yourself do the gesturing. And that makes it less less scary, if you will, because then when you get on the stage, you've heard the words before, you felt the movements before, you have a good idea of what this is going to look and sound like. And, and that's really effective practice. So you're spot on, Pam, with making sure you get it in. Well, and I think that for uh, technical people, at least the STEM professionals that I work a lot with, a lot of times they do know exactly what they're talking about. Bridget, they, they, they can verbalize, they've had to talk about this data or whatever study they're doing or whatever research they're working on. But it's often the segue in between points when they want to move from one thing to the next thing, that is really important to verbalize. So you can kind of close out this topic, almost do it in little chunks, you know, close out this topic and then set up to move to the next one. That's where I would recommend they spend a good bit of time as well in the verbalization piece so they can figure out how they can comfortably do that so their audience is not you know abruptly <laughs> seeing something new that they don't have any idea what it is you know even along the lines of well after seeing the results of this study you might be interested to know and you're taking them on to the next thing it, it's just a little bit away uh I always say, act like you're driving a car when you're giving a presentation. If you're going to take a left turn, put your blinker on and take your audience with you. Like, let them know where you're going. Do not just abruptly take a left turn without putting your blinker on. You might have a head-on collision. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect analogy. That is a perfect analogy. Everybody go back to the English composition classes, whether it was high school or in college, and they told us to make sure we had those transitions from one paragraph to the next. So we made it easy for the reader. And another driving analogy, this is where I thought you were going. I'm going to use yours too. Here's one that I've used when it comes to making those transitions. I tell, or I suggest that you give the big view, wait, first you review, give the big view, and then you look to where you're going. So look in your rearview mirror. This is the ground we just covered. Look in your side mirror. This is where we're getting ready to go. And then look in the big, the windshield. And this is how it fits with the big picture of what we're doing here. So before you move to the next topic, review what we just covered, 
talk about what we're about to go into. And this is how both of these pieces fit into the bigger picture. But I like yours. Yours is simpler. Turn on your blinker. Let me know you turn it left. <laughs> I'm all about keeping it simple, you know, and, and smart people, everyone appreciates that actually, not just the smart people, anyone, because you can remember it. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to, if you're going to make a turn in your presentation, put your blinker on. That's all. It's that simple. Absolutely. Take your audience with you. That's what I want to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. In a little bit, you'll have the opportunity to ask me a question, Pam. I have one more question for you. And you, you said this several minutes back, but it stuck with me. It was something about meetings. And it made me think about how oftentimes when we think about presentations, we have this image of being on a stage and the big projection screen and huge audience and everything. But meetings, even if it's just four or five people from your division in a boardroom sitting down with an agenda, that is also a presentation. Will you talk to how meetings should be treated as the presentations that they are? Yes, they, they really are. And I've done a whole webinar on this, actually, how to, it's, because it's a, it's a big problem in the corporate world. People have useless meetings where they have a meeting just to have a meeting and there's, there's no agenda. Uh, here's what I recommend. If you're the one that's tasked with having the meeting, you create agenda ahead of time and, and have it be realistic on your timing. One of the biggest problems with meetings is people try to accomplish too much in the amount of time they have, especially if you're going to need a discussion around a topic, you have to allow for that discussion time. And, and it does take time. So creating agendas, one of the things that will set you up for success before you even start, send it out ahead of the meeting. All the participants will have an idea of where you're going with your meeting. So it's no surprise to them. You maybe don't have to turn your left blinker on because they got the agenda ahead of time. You can say, we're going to move to the next item on the agenda. And then you're able to seamlessly move through the agenda like you laid it out and people know what the responsibilities are. You gave that out ahead of time. And one of the things that I like about having an agenda is it gives you something to refer to or defer to if you're having a problem in your meeting, which is really common. If you have somebody who's talking too long while you're having discussion, if you have you know, varying opinions uh, coming up. If you, if you have somebody who's going off topic on something that's not even on the agenda that they just kind of want to discuss, for any of those situations, you can say, you know, in order that we stay on time or in order that we can stay on topic or in order that we can finish our agenda in the time we have allotted, we need to move on. We need to, can I have your bottom line? Uh, whatever it might be. And, and it gives you a very tactful way, not a personal way where you say, you know, John, you're really talking too long. We need to move on. You can say, great discussion, but in the interest of getting through our agenda in our allotted meeting time, we're going to need to table that and move on to the next topic, for example. So it gives you, it gives you a way to navigate facilitating that meeting a little bit without being, uh, without being too uncomfortable, you just defer to something else. It's not personal between you and John. It's all about the agenda. We have to get through it. So that's what I would recommend for the meeting. That's hot. That's hot, everybody. Pam, the microphone has turned around or something. I don't know, but now you are the interviewer. Well, I would love to know 
if you have a favorite moment in one of your presentations, you know, we talk about making our presentations memorable for our audience and how we might do that or customize what we're saying to really speak to their industry or their company or whatever it might be. But I would love to know what you remember most in your presentation life, because you've been involved as a professional speaker for a long time, Bridget. So what, what would you say was there your are most memorable moment? There are too many. There are too oh, many, okay. Pam. I, I'm not even kidding. You, I covered my face when, when you I did say <laughs> But the most recent one was just the other day. So the most recent presentation. So I'm going to pull one of my favorite moments from that one. And it was a presentation on what the most confident leaders say and do. And part of the presentation focused on body language. I focus on four pillars of effective communication, how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say it. So we were on the how you look piece. And one of my favorite techniques is to play a song in your head, your favorite song that just makes you feel like a million bucks. Listen to that song silently playing in your head and walk to the beat of that song. I don't care if you're in the grocery store, at the bank, at the school, wherever. Have your head up and your shoulders back, your eyes laser focused, and you just walk into the beat of that song. You can have raggedy jeans on, a dirty t-shirt, it doesn't matter. And you just feel confident. But I, I had some of the audience members come up on stage and we we voted on which song we wanted to play we played alicia key's girl on fire pulled that up on my phone put my phone right there on my lavalier mic and i had the ladies walk to the beat of that song on the stage <laughs> and then we were critiquing to make sure those shoulders are back make sure that head is up and then i challenged them to have that that stance throughout the rest of the conference. I said, if I see you in the hallways of the conference, you'd better have that strut. And we just had an absolute blast, Pam, with talking about just that body language and just having that confidence no matter where you are or what you're doing. So that's one of my favorite moments. (laughs) That's a great one, Bridget. A really great one. Yes, thank you, thank you. Everybody, make sure you visit Pam's website, pamlinemiller.com. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. So just check that out. But visit Pam's website, pamlinemiller.com and get three keys to appearing confident and competent during any presentation. This is going to set you up for success in your next presentation. Go to her website, fill out the contact form and make sure you get that giveaway. Three keys to appearing confident and competent during any presentation at Pam's website. You definitely do not want to miss out on that. Pam, what else do listeners need to know in order to make sure they're showing up confident on the microphone? Well, I think that you need to just be happy in your life on if I I know this sounds weird to say, but the the unspoken that you bring to the table really matters. Having that positive mindset, being happy in your life, being forward thinking. uh, Are you challenging yourself to do new things? Are you growing? Are you in a good space? Um, I'm a mountain climber, believe it or not. We didn't even talk about that, but I realize that I am putting my clients in, I'm making them uncomfortable every single day and helping them get out of their comfort zone. 
presenting and speaking is not out of my comfort zone any longer. It used to be. But so what does get me out of my comfort zone? Well, setting up and going ahead and climbing a mountain, that's really out of my comfort zone. So I try to just keep relating with my clients. And it, it also gives me energy. And I think you bring what you're doing in your life and the ambition that you have to your audience, whoever that might be. Again, one or 1,000, you're bringing it. So bring your best self to everything you do. Yes, yes, yes. Snap, snap, snap. Pam Line Miller, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Bridget. You bet. You bet. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.